opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect product endorsements or the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hi everyone and welcome once again to In Perspective. My name is Bob Branco. This is episode 326, dated Friday, September 22nd, 2023. I'm very pleased to have with us Peter Alchel. Peter, how's it going up in Oregon today? In Oregon, it's uh, the rainy season starts in October, apparently, but it's going to start uh, next uh, tomorrow. We're supposed to get rain for the next like five days in a row. So apparently this is normal for Coos Bay, Oregon. But today is an absolutely glorious day. Uh, I've been uh, uh, playing with my uh, step-grandkids, whatever you call them, and it, it, it's their birthday today. So I am I'm actually dry now. Well, I was soaking wet for a while. Anyway, well, I'm here. Here in New England, our weather is going to parallel yours. We had a gorgeous day today, and over the weekend, we're going to be hit by Tropical Storm Ophelia. I heard. So Shakespearean, that, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah, every time I think of Ophelia, I think of Hamlet. That's but it. that's a subject for another day. Anyway, uh, I would like to thank people who make it possible for In Perspective to be made available to our listeners. We start out with our executive producer, Raymond Gay, Tom and Lynn from Rosie's Place chat line because they post our shows on their chat line. Our media sources, thank you for airing us. Jacqueline Sylvia, our website designer for archiving our programs on my website, which is www.brancoevents.com. If you want to hear an archived program of In Perspective, just go to that site, click on In Perspective Podcasts, and you will hear archived programs you can pick the one you want to hear and, and just listen to it merci jackie and i would like to also say hi to a faithful listener as i normally do this week it's randa hasley from texas thank you very much for listening we have a special guest it's somebody that's been on our program i think twice in the past this is her third time her name might be familiar to many of you donna jodden she is a sight loss coach and a disability advocate from Canada. And I'm sure she has a lot to talk about on both topics and maybe more. Donna, it's a pleasure having you back with us today. Thank you for having me, and I'm very happy to be here. What's the weather like in Canada? Well, in my neck of the woods, it's you can tell that fall is definitely here. It's a bit cool, but if you go into the sunshine, it's warm. So well, it's not too bad. Well, you're sending it my way, Donna, because today I had to open up all the windows, which I don't mind doing in weather like this. It barely mm -hmm. got out of the 60s and early 70s today. So Ooh. thank you for sending us the weather. You're welcome. Hey, hey Donna, I'm curious. Uh, we, how 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 do the uh, the fires, the forest fires, affect you and the folks with disabilities in, in, uh, in Canada? Well, the fires were mainly in British Columbia, and there were some in Quebec. Now, the ones in Quebec affected us here in Ontario quite a bit. But it seems to have calmed down a lot right now, and hopefully, you know, we'll be safe for a few months at least. This is a very odd year for that, because I don't ever recall hearing about so many wildfires in Canada. Normally, you hear about them in Arizona, Colorado, California, and this year there was one in Hawaii. There was a few in Canada. That's rare. Very rare. Um, 
it's scary too because you know climate change and everything else taking place it it, it is scary so tell us about your projects last time we spoke on the air we were talking about your consulting work for the canadian government and of course we've always known that you were a sight loss coach so are there any updates that you have for our listeners right now well, I decided that I wanted to change the direction in which I'm going with regard to advocacy. Advocacy is not an easy path, okay? It is not for the faint of heart. Advocacy has many different facets. It doesn't have a particular color. It doesn't have a particular size. But in the past few months, because I feel as if I've been burnt out, I feel as if I don't have, uh, I don't have the energy to keep on advocating in a hard way. I decided to change the direction in which I'm going, and right now I produce podcasts on a show that I have weekly called Dining with Donna. And how does this pertain to advocacy? Well, it it does in the sense that. I'm now bringing recipes that are easy to make and easy to create to a lot of people who normally do not have the opportunity to go onto the internet and find these recipes. So, you know, a lot of people may think it's not advocacy. I think it is. And that is one of the main projects that I'm involved with right now, my At Dining with Donna podcast. I'm also involved with another show that I created called Ask Donna. And what this is, is that every week I feature a different facet of what I'm doing. And week one of the month would be Ask a Blogger, where I answer a lot of questions on things like uh, bullying, Ask the Entrepreneur. I give tips on entrepreneurship. I also give tips on dealing with scams and scammers. The second week is called Ask the Coach. And here is where I dip into my, um, from the pages of Donna's Did You Know Diary, a bit of this and a bit of that. So it's a plethora of tips that I provide to my listeners. In the third week, I have Ask the Homemaker. And what that is, I give a list of something that can be used as a remedy for all kinds of different things in your kitchen around your home, in your garden, almost everywhere. And for the fourth week of the month, I have an Ask the Reviewer, where I have an Ask, you know, I talk, I review a product and I review a book. And for my final show, my final podcast of the month, and this is a monthly um, podcast, I talk about the mental stretch with Donna. And it's a strategy that I developed many years ago because I feel that if someone can have a stretch for their neck, their arms, their legs, their stomachs, almost every part of their body, why not the mental stretch? And I talk about ways to stretch one's mind and one's imagination and to stretch their creative juices. And I, I, you know, suggest strategies that they can use to deal with such things as trauma, drama, stress, and everything else. And I have some unique strategies that I share with my listeners so that they can stretch 
really stretch their minds and their imagination. Sort of like holistic. Sort of, but it's a natural way. There is no medication. There is no nothing. You can do this at any time of the day for any length of time. You can do it almost anywhere and everywhere. In you know, while you lie in bed, while you sit in your living room or at your kitchen table, even when you're walking in the park or walking down the street. So this is the third show that I have, and I'm still involved with the Canadian government to some extent, but not as much as before. So this is what I'm presently doing. Donna, first of all, how can we access those podcasts? You can go to www.donnajodhan.com slash YouTube. And there you'll see my three shows. You have a YouTube channel. Yes, I do. Yeah. So let we we hopefully we'll remember to repeat that uh, as we uh, as we before we end the show. I I want to talk a little bit more about your comments about uh, you know changing course with advocacy because you you've spoken a lot in the past about you know being a, a fairly hard nosed advocate you know and trying to get stuff done and that's important. Talk about how you decided to sort of change tax. How did that happen? And what have been the results? I know it's been early, but what have been the results of your sort of new advocacy tack? Well, I decided to change past when I found that I no longer had the energy or the passion to do it. And I also felt that it was time for others to step up to the plate and just start, you know, coming forward and, and showing leadership. Because there's never a good time or good place to go. But if if I recognize that others need to take the mantle and get going, I thought that was the best way for me. And, and you know, having been burnt out, I just felt it was time to just change my path. And I also felt that on a personal level, I've had some family medical medical matters to deal with. And this was just the right time to change paths. And thus far with my projects, it's a bit early to tell, but I'm truly enjoying what I'm doing because I'm being creative in another shape, in another form. And I'm sharing, you know, my recipes with people. I'm sharing my tips with people or my listeners. I have my mental stretch, which I really, really enjoy Um you know, working with and producing on a monthly basis. And some of the strategies that I have in this show are really, really unique. So it may be a bit early to tell, but the other thing I'm doing is I'm promoting my Dining with Donna show on Etsy. I don't know if you're familiar with Etsy, but it's where I'm using my creative, uh, you know, abilities as a potter. I, I produce pottery, and I'm using this pottery to promote my Dining with Donna shows. So what I'm doing is I've, you know, created special plates, salad plates, sandwich plates, dinner plates. And now I have Christmas ornaments, and I have pinch pots with matching spoons, which I'm selling on Etsy in order to promote my show. So... What 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 occurs to me, and, and correct me if I have this wrong, you, you've been on the front lines for a while, uh, and now 
you're so you're you're taking a new tack with your advocacy. But it sounds in part what you're doing is you're sort of giving people uh, support, information, skills about how to be better, if not advocates, better people. I think you're correct in saying that. You know, it it's another way to sort of motivate people to see that use your talents. You may not think you have the talent. Use your talents to do other things. So whereas in the past, my advocacy pertained to really taking different things, people to task or different organizations to task. Now I'm approaching it from another direction. I'm motivating people to use their talents to do different things. Are you still doing sight loss coaching? Yes, I am. I'm still doing sight loss coaching. And, you know, every now and then I, I get a client who wants to be coached as to how to deal with loss of vision or to deal with a family member who has lost their vision. And and it's very refreshing when I get something like this because then it's a get. It's another way um, to do advocacy. So let's talk about your stretching. I, I, that that it got my attention. Talk about some of the strategies that you've been uh, uh, talking about on that on your on your stretching show, your mental stretching shows. So what it is is that I encourage people by saying, you know, whenever your mind is filled with clutter and cobwebs. Whenever you find yourself not being quite able to deal with stress or trauma or drama, one of the things that is very, very effective is for you to sit back, relax, recharge, and regurgitate your mind and your imagination. And I use a particular sense, like out of the five senses, I say concentrate on the sense of hearing as an example. And think of listening to things like church bells or a piano playing or birds singing. Concentrate on that. And you would be amazed to see how very soon you start to relax. Then I use the sense of smell, and I say, think of smelling some of your favorite things. You know, the smell of a hamburger being barbecued can really, really get your imagination and your mind ticking, and you can clear your mind and your imagination just by smelling or imagining the smell of that hamburger or the smell of roses or the smell of you know, think of rain falling, the smell of the earth. You'd be amazed to know how when you imagine these smells, it tickles your nostrils. And soon enough, you find yourself really, really relaxing. And then I go to the sense of taste. Think of a pizza. Now, you may say, you may smile and say, well, what does that have to do with a mental stretch? Well, Think of it this way. You taste or you, you can taste the pizza. You can taste it on your tongue. And again, this helps you to stretch, stretch the mind, stretch the imagination. And then I go to the sense of touch. You know, you, you think of different things when you touch them. And again, this stretches everything. In addition to which, I have also have different little strategies that I use. For example, 
I say to people, think of the letter A and think of some of the words that you can use to help motivate yourself. You know, the letter A, think of the letter A. Absolute. Absolute is, you know, you can use the word absolute to say, you know, absolutely, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be more aggressive. Or even the word aggressive, I'm going to be more aggressive at what I need to do. Assertive. Assertive. Well, think of it this way. I'm going to be more assertive because I need to take action in what I'm doing. So the letter A I use to help motivate people. And then I have different strategies that I, I, I use in order to, you know, help people to stretch, really stretch their minds and their imaginations. What, what, what occurs to me about all of this, um, there's always a, uh, a focus whenever we're talking about advocacy or doing difficult work of taking self-care, right? Taking care of yourself and, 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 and trying to address burnout, trying to make it less likely that we all get burnt out, but we all do get burnt out. It's, it's inevitable. You know, I, I think it's, you can't do advocacy uh, or the kind of work that I do and not get burnt out once in a while. And it, it occurs to me that what the kinds of things that you're doing, those kinds of imagining uh, the hunger you might feel that I feel when I hear the word hamburger, right? Or, or um, pizza or touching a, uh, or, or getting splashed by water, which I recently was. Um, that really, that kind of meditation, as it were, can recharge your batteries for whatever you're doing. And I agree with that because I think Sometimes we cannot avoid burnout. But then when we get burnt out, a lot of us sort of say, well, oh gosh, what do I do now? How do I stop myself from being completely burnt out? What can I do to recharge? And this is where I really think my mental stretch comes in, you know, to, to play. Because you can use any of my strategies to deal with burnout, stress, drama, trauma, and even some of the mundane daily things of life, you know, like you find yourself all overwhelmed because you cannot deal with a schedule or, you know, something like hearing a baby crying may just sort of send you a bit, not crazy, but a, a bit flabbergasted or flustered because you're hearing the baby crying and you're not sure what you need to do to stop baby from crying. Here is where if you use my mental stretch, it calms you down. And then you have the ability to think more clearly. You know, it's interesting that you're talking about a baby crying. I've been around two uh, recent newborns, and which I'm not uh, familiar with. I'm not uh, familiar, familiar with being around small kids. And um, my partner who is very familiar with being around small kids talks about the difference between an infant's cry of uh, a, a, a cry of somebody who's say under, I don't know, two months and then a baby's cry, which is a totally different sound. And I just find that fascinating, you know, I, I, and, and being, being attuned to those differences, those subtleties makes life more interesting. 
and and it gives me more energy to do what I need to do. Well, I think if you can really clear your mind of what I call so-called clutter and cobwebs, if if your mind is clear and your mind is relaxed, you can deal more effectively with anything or almost anything. And it, yes, it is fascinating to see the difference between a newborn crying and a baby who is like months older. But all this, I think, can be really accomplished and you get to really not enjoy but appreciate the different sounds by using my mental stretch. And and doing that, as you said, really does make it easier to deal with the difficulties of life. You know, whether you're whether you're advocating for more assistive technology or you're, you know, you're trying to figure out how to get to a certain place without, you know, you can't drive as a blind person, you know, tr trying to coordinate all that stuff makes it a little easier if you're, if you're, as you say, if your mind is clear and focusing on those sort of very subtle things can can make that can make it easier. Well, I think people take the mind and the imagination for granted too many times. And I, I've honest, I honestly feel that people ignore our mental welfare. And I think that stretching your mental abilities, your mental capabilities, really stretching it out can help you. Why do you suppose people ignore that part of it? I'm not sure. I think that they're so concentrated and so focused on other parts of the body, you know, like stretching your, your tummy, your back, your this, your that. Oftentimes we forget the mind and the imagination. And you know what? I think a lot of the time people think that in order to take care of their mental well-being, they need to see a psychologist or a counselor or a social worker but they never think of being able to help themselves on their own. And this is what I am promoting. I think that we can help ourselves a lot if we utilize the right type of strategies to do it. I, I think, Bob, to answer your, uh, uh, your question in a different way, I think we are, as growing up as kids, we are discouraged from doing those kinds of things. It's yes. uncool. It's not societally supported and then we wonder why we have so much mental illness in 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 our culture uh, we seem to be more open nowadays about that topic though uh, more I, there, I, you know it's, it, there seems to be more uh, funding for programs more terms that we didn't have back when we were kids to define mental conditions and people yeah, seem to be more open about it today i, I think that's true and yet Sometimes I think that we're very shallow when it comes to this stuff. I also think that that we we've sort of lost the idea of community. You know, uh, you know, we all live our separate lives and sort of forget that we are part of a bigger picture. And I think sometimes doing the kinds of things that Donna you're talking about helps us remember that we are part of a larger picture. You know, uh, we, we we're not we're not just ourselves. We we live in a large and wonderful uh complicated world and um i think we've lost we are in the we're in danger of losing that that sense of community and doing the kinds of things that that don is talking about um and even if you can do it with other people uh really makes us more mentally healthy 
I think we need to concentrate more on our mental health and we need not be afraid to say, hey, you know, I'm having a bad day. I can't deal with this. I think we still feel sort of inhibited with saying this. And another strategy that I do use is like I present people with different quotations from different people and I say, concentrate on this quotation. Use this quotation to motivate yourself. It all has to do, too, with motivating yourself, encouraging yourself, saying, you know, I'm not that bad a person after all. You know, I'm no different. I'm having a bad day. So let me use the mental stretch to help me and to realize that I'm not the only person that is having a bad day. You know, a lot of people around me are. But I can use my mental stretch to help me out. Donna, we've talked a lot about thoughts, uh, you know, regulating your thoughts uh, and stretching your mind. How do you think feelings fit into all of this? I think, you know, like one thing I do talk about a lot is like with regard to feelings. Don't be afraid to have feelings of of sadness or feelings of of nervousness or anything. It's only natural. So when you talk about using your feelings, sometimes you can bring out your feelings by listening to a song, a favorite song. Like, for example, one of my favorite songs is Give Me One Moment in Time at Whitney Houston. I use that very, very often to motivate myself. Think of the words. Give me one moment in time when I thought that I could be more than I could be. You know, it it really motivates me to reach for the sky. And then there's another song I really use to help me out. It's, It's Climb Every Mountain. Whenever I feel that I need to motivate myself, that I know I can do something, this is the song I play. And these are the feelings that come out. And, you know, a lot of us are often, you know, we have feelings of guilt if we feel sad. We shouldn't be feeling guilty if we feel sad. It's only natural. But don't feel sad for too long. You have to find a way to climb out of that, you know. In in my most recent book, um, Writing Elephants, Creating Common Ground, Where Contention Rules, I argue that feelings not thoughts drive action. Another way of looking at this is that feelings uh, is it are the energy that drive um, uh, our our behavior, and that the thoughts are uh, can uh, if used well can can steer those feelings in positive directions, or as I say in my book, the elephant in in positive directions. But the feelings really are where the energy comes from, and the thoughts really. Um, uh, move those feelings in, in a given direction. And the more you can use those feelings positively, the better we are at doing whatever we're doing. Well, I, I think I agree with you there, but I think sometimes these feelings probably just creep into our minds and, and you know, we're not sure how to deal with them. Like, for example, if you have a feeling of being sad or something like that, you know, we're, we're not sure how to deal with it but i think with my mental stretch you you 
quickly learn how to deal with any feelings that you don't like or feelings of discomfort. And then you use your thoughts to move you in a different direction or in a more positive direction. Harness those feelings of discomfort and sadness to uh, to do something positive with them. I, I think you're right. I mean, okay, I may be feeling sad today. I, I don't know what I'm feeling sad about, but, you know, something that saddens me that I can't be, you know, closer to my family because I don't live close to them. So I'm sad about that. But then I say, you know what? Yeah, I'm sad about that. But how am I going to fix it? What am I going to do to feel unsad or closer to them? And that's where the energy comes in. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one of the things I'm more and more convinced about from sort of a spiritual perspective is that it is our responsibility, not 30 seconds later, maybe years from the moment that you run into a, a tough situation, to use that to your benefit, to to help others get, get through something similar, you know, to use a corny term to make lemonade out of lemons. And I really do believe that that is in part what we're called, you know, to, to take those bad experiences, that those difficult experiences that we've had and find a way to help others through those experiences, through the, through the feelings that those experiences uh, engendered, as it were. Um, and I think spiritually, that's what, in part what we're called to do. Well, you know, I'm going to share a personal experience with, with our listeners here. My mom recently fell and broke some of her bones. She's on the mend right now and doing a lot better, but it brought home mortality to me because I left home at a very young age and the person that I have depended on the most emotionally, my best friend, the sister I never had is my mom. And I realized, you know, I'm facing mortality now. How do I use this to help others? Yeah. in a similar situation to me. And trust me, there are many others out there, but they don't want to admit that, you know, they are afraid or they're anxious or they don't know what to do. And I'm using this particular experience to try and help those that I know that are facing their own mortality. And how do you do that? I mean, it, it's a real issue, you know, all of us, many of us really are fearful of, of dying or, or getting sick or whatever. And how do you how do you uh, support people to, to address those issues? It's not an easy thing. It, it is not. It, it takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of, of emotional energy out of you. And I think for me, I have to find the right balance as to when I am able to help someone else as opposed to when I don't think I can really do it right now because I too am struggling. And if I am struggling, I really can't help someone as well as if I'm not struggling as much. So I have to make sure that I have my head above water before I start to go out there and help somebody else. Do you it's believe like in meditation? I do. I use meditation quite a lot, especially before, you know, going to bed. I, I lie there and I meditate and I use my the different senses that I outlined before to help me out. Okay. Your, your comment. 
You are listening to In Perspective. I'm Bob Branco, and he's Peter Alchil, and we have Donna Jodden with us today. What I thought I would do is have our participants take part in our discussion, but before I do that, let me thank Donna Browning, who is our host for today's episode. Donna, I want to thank you personally for taking the time to work with us today on In Perspective. Thank you for that. You're welcome. It's very interesting. Okay, so do we have any hands raised at the moment, Donna? Not at the moment. Okay, you can interrupt oh. us anytime when somebody does. That way we'll <laughs> as know. As soon as I said that, they raise it. Okay. Cool. First, uh, we have Deborah. All right, Deborah, do you have a question for Donna Jordan? You may unmute Deborah. Deborah. Oops, hang on. Can you hear me <laughs> now? Unmuted. Yes. Yep. Yep, okay. we hear you. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. Um, talking about frustrations and, and things like that, um, sometimes uh, I find that so, some of us blind folks can get a little bit too critical of, of others and I used to really, really, really get upset, uh, you know, about uh, about things like this. And I'm thinking, well, nowadays I think, well, everybody's entitled to their to their opinion, but it just reminds me not to be so judgmental about uh, about a person that might feel that. They're really nervous about their orientation and mobility, trying to get around on their their own for uh, different uh, different reasons and, and things like that. One of the things that I did um, was when I moved into a, a condominium with with my parents, I I had the desire to go and use the uh, the amenities of the uh, the condo, so I wanted to go swimming. I thought, well, I'm kind of I'm kind of nervous because I don't. I don't really, I'm not sort of a do it on my own person. I like the social aspect of it all. I like the camaraderie, you know, of uh, going with people, going, you know, going for uh, swimming and tandem cycling. And it's the camaraderie that I, that I like, but I thought, well, you know, I took orientation mobility from uh, uh, one of our independent specialists and, uh, I thought, just, you know what, just visualize yourself, uh, you know, going out of your apartment and uh, somebody says hello, smile and say hi, you know. And, of course, I used to go swimming at about five in the morning. Mm. And uh, I challenged the uh, property uh, director about that because he seemed to feel that uh, because I was... Uh, totally blind that he was afraid that I would fall in the swimming pool. You know, all the the fears yeah. that sighted folks have. And I said, well, you know what? Hey, uh, I live here too, you know. And uh, I said, I don't think it's fair that, um, you know, you, you deprive somebody, first of all, because you don't really know their situation. You're just making assumptions of what could happen. And I said, I know what will happen, and I know what I can make not happen. So I used to just, 
you know, I just used to go down to the swimming pool, you know, uh, sort of use my, use my visual imagination and just, you know, you're going to go out of the elevator and you're going to turn left. You know how to, you know how to go, you know, and stuff like that. So I, I did. And, uh, you know, I met a, a lot of nice people, you know, down in the swimming pool and stuff like that. And it was, uh, it was really great. And I guess one time when I, sorry, I don't mind, I don't want to monopolize, but when I, when I went to ski for light with a, a couple of uh, other blind friends, it, I had a problem getting around in the, uh, in, in the hotel, because one of my problems is I have dyslexia as well as being totally blind. And sometimes that really messed around with my orientation. And somebody at Ski for Light said, well, maybe you shouldn't be skiing. Maybe you should be concentrating on practicing your mobility to get around the hotel instead of going off skiing and depending on one of our guides. And I thought, you know what, that that really wasn't fair to say, because we all have our problems, and we all get through our problems in a different way. And, uh, you know, it's it was, it was uh, but that's where sometimes I find, you know, when we, um, we advocate for, for people, we, we have to learn to uh, sort of think of the, uh, sort of the underdog that is just having a bad, just having a bad time, you know, and think, okay, let me maybe put myself in their shoes. How would I feel? You know, and, and stuff like that. So, no, just a comment. Thank you. Uh, before you go, where, where are you from? Canada. I thought so. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> uh, any response, Donna? Um, I think the one thing that I have learned over the years is we need to exude confidence if we want others to believe in us. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, I try to put myself in their shoes and think, now what would I what would I be thinking if I met someone with a problem similar to what Deborah is talking about? And if we do that, I think we would be able to have a better understanding as to why they have their opinions. And then we go from there. So it's it's a balance of being able to be able to walk a mile in their shoes, like see it from their point of view, not necessarily saying, well, it's not fair. And I, I could see that. And I used to be like that to some extent. But you put yourself in their shoes and you say, here is why they're thinking the way that they are. And then you start building your strategy as to how you're going to counteract what they are saying and really do your best to change their opinion. But throughout all of this, you have to have the confidence in yourself to be able to pull it off. You know, know, Donna uh, uh, and Deborah, for that matter, Deborah, your comment about that person saying, you shouldn't be skiing, you should should be uh, getting better mobility skills. My basic reaction is the two are connected or potentially connected. You know, uh, uh, you know, if you, if you become more confident in your physical activities and are in better shape and and are uh, become more alert to result, it's probably going to bleed into your ability to uh, get get around uh, strange places over time. 
So uh, that that was my reaction for what it's worth. And I really liked Donna's reaction. You know, uh, that uh, part of being a good advocate is putting yourself in the other person's position. Uh, what are they what are they feeling? What are they thinking? How can I best connect with them on, on all on both those levels to get my point across? Okay, Donna Browning, any other hands raised? Yes, we we had one. They they keep putting it up and down, but <laughs> there was one. If they want to raise it again, it was area code there it is, area code five oh five and then six three eight. You may unmute. Yes, this is Beth. I kept putting it because I wanted to give the people a chance to talk. Hi, um, Beth. You were talking about about uh, people, and um, Bob, I believe it was, was saying that we've lost like a sense of community. And I noticed that among the elderly more, um, that there's a lot of people, that people don't come to visit them and, and things like that. Um, how would you motivate somebody like that? I mean, Donna, um, a, lot of, a lot of a lot of them, their fam, like I said, their family won't come to visit them, or or can't come to visit them because they're in another state. And um, I guess I was thinking about this too because of like the holidays. The holidays are terrible for a lot of people. <laughs> and this is one of the most difficult things because it's one of the general trends that we see across the landscape is that the elderly are often forgotten. Nobody comes to see them. You put them in a home and you say bye-bye and you leave them on their own. How do you motivate these people who are now in deep isolation and they're feeling very lonely? I think it means that we again have to put ourselves in their shoes and figure out for ourselves why are they lonely? Well, they're lonely because nobody comes to see them. How do we motivate them? I think it takes the community spirit for people to come together with the elderly and with our seniors. I also think, you know, a lot of people are afraid of becoming old or getting old, or they are afraid of developing a disability. And this is why they run away. When people are afraid, they run away. And I think maybe we should be starting with those of us who need to go and visit our elderly folks and to sort of find ways to let them know, don't be uncomfortable. Don't run away from your elderly folks because you are afraid. You have to deal with this because you may end up in the same home one of these days. It's not an easy job, but it's one of the more difficult things that we have to deal with in our society. It seems to me, I, I think, Donna, you said it well, the idea of somebody who's lonely, the best thing you can do is to visit them. And and I, I think that the best thing you can do um, is 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 try your best to keep your mouth shut and let them talk. You know, uh, that's right. 
you know, uh, you know, get them to talk about their lives or get them to talk about their whatever they want to talk about. And then over time, if if the circumstances allow, you might be able to provide some coaching, as it were. Um, but what I the more I, I I the older I get, the more I realize that people really don't want to, at least not initially, they don't want to hear what I think. Mm-hmm. They 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 want to be heard, and until they are heard, the chances of them taking what I have to say seriously is pretty small. And that's a hard lesson. For, it was a hard lesson for me to learn. I'm still learning it, but I really do believe um, we need to get better, all of us, uh, about listening, especially listening to people who are different from ourselves. You know, because we we can't really connect until we have a general sense of where they're coming from. And it's not easy. Uh, Donna, you, you said it well. It's not easy at all. But I think that's really what what we what what needs to happen. We need to listen more. Yeah. And it's happening politically. You've got two parties, two main parties in this country, and all you hear lately is that they're bickering. Yeah. Uh, and and people should work together. And it makes advocacy so it makes advocacy so much harder, right, Donna? You know, it it it, uh, it, it, it just makes it a lot harder. Um I've been saying for 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 a while that we we run the risk of becoming uh, poor advocates if we're not clear about the situation in which we find ourselves. You know, we're no longer in the spot in 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 where the ADA was passed, and it was a great time in the '90s when the ADA really made a huge difference. We're in a very different place right now, and until we're realistic about that, we're not going to be good advocates. We just aren't. We're in a very I, different space. I think there seems to be a growing and concerning trend of a lack of listening. And I find it more and more people are not listening. They're they're listening to themselves, but they're not listening to those around them. And the lack of listening is becoming more and more of a concern to me personally, because when people don't listen, it means that I'm just talking in the wind. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> but I think getting back to our seniors, I think we need to recognize the fact that they have something very special and very important that they need to share with us. And we want them to share with us their lived experiences because it's the only way that we can learn is by listening to them. We are not supposed to go in there and tell them what we are doing. We are supposed to listen to what they're saying. And when people are listened to, you'd be amazed to know how much, you know, they enjoy it. People like to be listened to. And that's important. It's also really hard. It's hard work to listen well. It is. It's hard work to listen well, you know. But, but we're living in a world where people are not listening as much anymore. And you can tell. You know, for example, when I say, please don't send me the medication because I'm traveling. You get two and three phone calls. Where are you? And finally, I say, didn't I tell you I was traveling? Oh, yes, you did. I said, so why are you sending me the medication when I'm not around? It's because you didn't listen. Huh? It is amazing, you know. Uh, Beth, thank you. <laughs> and we do have another hand. Okay. Let's, let's take did, it. 
And I did want to let you know we're at 13 minutes to the hour. Uh, our next hand is Musi. Good. Okay. You know what? There's a Buddhist uh, principle called deep listening. And I'm trying to learn it. It's to really listen, you know, with every sense you have. So it's interesting you're talking about listening. But I, I just wanted to comment about when you said to have confidence. And I think that's the secret. We're not here to educate people about low vision or blindness. We're here to live our lives. That's all I have to say. And, and you're right. I, I'll say this, Missy, you're right. We find ourselves, I shouldn't say all of us, because that's probably not true. But we find ourselves having to tell other people how we as blind people live. Mm -hmm. and, and, and you really can't blame the other side. They're curious. They want to know. Some of them have never met a blind person. They don't know how we behave, how we how we. Oh, act. if they want to know, then then we talk about it. And, we, and listen, but, you know... Um, I don't make excuses for myself. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. if I can't see no. something, I can't I'm with see you. it. Do you know what I'm saying? It's mental health to be confident. Right. It's, it seems right. to be, it seems thank to be the best. Thank you. I'm sorry. Thank you, Musi. Your, your point is well taken. Uh, and my basic, you know, what, I, what I'm hearing through your comments, uh, your, the thought that, that they made is the best way to be a good advocate is to live our lives well. That really, that really is the best way we can advocate. Live our lives well. Be who we are. You know, keep learning. You know, um, you know, do do the best we can. Doesn't mean being perfect, but living our lives well is the best way we can advocate. It's it's not necessarily. Uh, of course, you 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 gotta state your opinions and stuff, and you you, you do need to. Um, you know, to talk about the, the challenges that we experience. Of course, we need to do that. But what I what I what I'm when I when I realized is when I had my issues and I still have them, of course, with technology issues. What I was most effective when I was using the, te the technology well, and yet I was still failing. They could see that I had a sense of what I was doing, but there was something that I that I couldn't handle well. I didn't have to tell them; they saw it. They saw it, and then they might ask a question or two. And then we could have a conversation. Um, but, you know, I, I really have, you know, what this conversation reminds me of is the best way we can be good advocates is to live our lives well. And I agree with that. I, I think, you know, like many times I've heard the excuse, well, I'm blind, so I can't do this. I said, no, you got to cut this thing out. You can't keep saying that I'm blind, so I cannot do it's all about I may be blind, but I can do. And, it, you know, it's up to us to show them what we can do and what we have difficulty in doing and to make people comfortable around us. So if we go out there screaming and yelling and shouting, it's not going to help. What will help, in my opinion, is sitting down calmly, carefully and comfortably with others. And showing them the confidence we have in what we say, in what we do, and how we do it. And you'd be amazed to see this confidence exudes to those around us. Yeah. And living our lives as advocates, I think, is one of the best things that we could do. We, we, okay, we... so Donna Browning, 
Anybody yeah. else? No hands at the moment. No hands at the moment. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. No Bob? Yes. Paul, you would like to uh, say something? I'd like yes, I would. Um, uh, I have a friend that um, invites me to go walking with him, and I take you know, I take his elbow, and we go walking down by the ocean, and you can hear the waves. Mm. Uh, we go once a week, and it's just wonderful. I, I feel so refreshed. And, the, you know, hearing the, and visualizing the vastness of the ocean. And it makes me think that there are so many things that are bigger than me. I mean, I didn't create myself. I didn't create the earth. I didn't create the planets that there must be a God. And recently I was at my doctor's office and we were going over that filling on my health proxy and he listed a lot of things and things like dialysis. I said, I don't, don't want to have that. And when we went over it, he said, gee, Paul, this is the first time I've had someone, you know, fill out a, a health proxy like this. He said, you're not afraid of dying, are you? And I, I said, no, because the, there's something bigger than me. I mean, God, whatever. And, and I, I feel at peace. And, um, uh, you know, I, I'm just, I'm just not afraid of dying. So, so Donna, what would be your reaction to that kind of outlook? I think being afraid of not dying is something I know a lot of people are afraid of dying. I used to be afraid of dying, but I like your approach when you say there's something bigger than me. And if you get to that stage where you, you know, I'm not afraid of something, it's not easy. I'm not afraid of dying anymore. I, I'm not saying I look forward to it, but what I'm saying is I'm not afraid. And again, this is where confidence comes in. If you're not afraid, it means that you're more confident. And, and it's not easy to get that feeling or to get you know, to feel that way. But if you're not afraid, that's more than half the battle won. So Donna, my question to you and Paul, for that matter, is not afraid is saying what we're not, right? What mm -hmm. are we feelings-wise? We're not afraid we are... Uh, speaking for myself... Um, at peace. Yeah. Again, I don't want to feel like I'm preaching, but uh, but I I feel, in general, I've led a, a good wholesome life, and I've tried to do the right thing. I certainly made mistakes in my youth, but I I, for me, it's a reality that I'll be going to a better place, and I'm at, at I'm at peace with that. It, it seems to me. I mean, I'm thinking about feelings. Uh, what what that belief in things bigger than me uh you know which, which i think is god uh it makes right me so do i in in awe right there are things that are just awesome that we that will that we'll never understand it makes me feel humble right that there are things yep. that we, that we need to be and now i'm talking thoughts but humble awe uh grateful right sometimes of course we grateful, can't yes yeah um, but those feelings are sort of part of not being afraid, right? It's not who what we're not, it's what we are. And I think, um, uh, you know, I, I guess that's right. 
Remember yeah, so you could, I could, you could say at peace. Yep, yeah, at peace is another yeah. great. One. Yeah, and so I, I could, so I could have said rather than not afraid, I'm, I'm at peace. You know, and, and I just, I just find it helpful for me to to say this is what I'm not, this is what I am. You know, uh, I just find that yes. more helpful for my mental health mm-hmm. to say I am this way or I feeling this way. I'm not feel instead of saying I'm not feeling this. I'm not, you know, I'm feeling this way. You know, it it makes me more aware of where I am and where where uh, and how people are around me. And if you're at peace with yourself, others quickly realize that you're comfortable in your own skin. And if you're comfortable in your own skin, then you are able to not necessarily affect, but able to exude this to those around you, which makes it a lot easier. We have time for one more. Donna Browning, if there are any hands, we have time for one more call. We are no hands right now. Okay. So... Donna, what I mean, you started a new chapter in your sort of advocacy life, as it were. What do you? What are your plans for the next few months? <laughs> That's a very good question. I want to co- I want to concentrate on my my podcasts. I want to grow them. I want to share information with others. And, and that's really it for the next few months. I'm really enjoying where I'm at right now. Any more sight loss coaching? I think sight loss coaching is a part of it. And as it comes up, I will you know, definitely work with anyone who wants to get involved with sight loss coaching. Okay. And again, how do we find your podcasts? So you go to www.donnajohnhen.com slash YouTube, and there you'll see my three shows plus other things that I have. I have um, uh, my Christmas box set that I have written and produced. I have my Crime Crusher series. So there are a bunch of things for people to check out. And how do you say your last name, Donna? Jodhan, J-O-D-H-A-N. So it's DonnaJodhan.com, J-O-D-H-A-N.com slash YouTube. Correct. Terrific. Well, well, Donna, it's been a real pleasure having you with us on In Perspective again. And, of course, we're going to have you back if you want to come back and update us, as always. And and continued success with your podcasting and and your uh, advocacy work and uh, trying to put everybody at ease about fear and, and give them motivation and, and peace, you know, keep doing that very well as well. Thank you very much for having me. And thank you for all that you do, you and your team. I really, really appreciate it. That's quite right. It's our pleasure. We enjoy doing this. Anyway, next week we're going to have former New York Congressman John LaBoutlier. He's been on a whole bunch of times. He'll be back to update us on, the world of politics. Thank you, Peter. Thank you very much to Donna Browning for being our host. Thank you, everybody else, for participating on In Perspective today. Go safe with God's abundant blessings. Take care, everybody.